Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church this beautiful morning. Let's begin by praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we thank you for the fact that he was born of a virgin. He's the God-man. He went to the cross to die for our sins and the sins of the whole world. And he was buried. And we thank you, Father, that you raised him from the dead on the third day, vindicated him. And we also thank you, Father, that his ascension to you ushered in this amazing age that we're in now where the Holy Spirit dwells each and every believer. You also, Father, ask for your guidance and provision, both for this church today, but also for anybody in the congregation who is having a difficult time. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's all now stand up and sing a congregation song. Now, I realize that that's probably for a lot of us the first time we've sung that song. So I have a little hint for you all in that suggestion, which is when that's the case, don't even try to get the melody the first time. Why? Because the whole importance of a Christian hymn is the words, right? So just focus on the words. Do your best with the harmony, with the melody, rather. And then next time we play it, you can do that again, only now you hear a little bit more. Also, you can focus on the um, refrain, you know, the part that's repeated a lot. And you can listen to that for a while and then start singing that. Um, or if you're me, you probably never want to sing it so people don't hear how terrible your voice is. All right, let's begin now with our service. A few announcements this morning. The first one is that um, on Sundays... There's a truck that often comes here to make a delivery, and uh, they come right in front. If you if you can look back for a second, okay, do you see right in the parking right in front of us on an angle? What we'd ask is that you keep the first two spots, um, first two spots in the front, um, reserved for that. Like, don't park there. In other words. Okay. If you park there today, don't worry about it because you hadn't heard the message, the announcement yet. But it, please try to do that um, as, a, as a courtesy to our neighbor. John, first two spots to the east? Yes. Yeah, 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 thanks. Yeah, closest to the building. Yep, exactly. Also, Pastor Kingsley is planning another trip. He's going to Johannesburg, South Africa on September 9th to September 27th. We ask you to please keep him in prayer um, for he, uh, he receives the provisions that he needs and that he has success in his evangelism work there. On the Healing Hands of Christ home for lepers, we finally got the money to Pastor Adams. So thank you for your prayer. Thank you for your persistence. Um, that's really important to them because, as many of you know, they're, they're purchasing a building now so that they can be on their own and not have to be dependent on a landlord who sometimes it has made it difficult for them. Not, not his fault, but because of pressures from the local community. Um, so now they have their own building. Okay? They, can, they can do what they want and take care of the lepers. So thank you for your prayers. One thing also this morning, um, this is under the do you know category, because I want you to know um, what it is that we provide. And so um, this is a picture of our, of our website it's actually um, one 
menu choice in, okay, this is under messages, or on Sunday, in the homepage, there were a few messages listed, including at the top, the most recent. But the reason I'm showing you this this morning is so that you know that's what's here with every message, what's provided. And there's really three things that are provided. And the first one, if I can get my mouse to the right place, is you can actually re-watch the video or watch it for the first time if you haven't watched it yet. So you can go there, you can click on that button, and the video comes up. So that's one thing. If you're in the car and you want to just listen to it, there's also an MP3, okay? And then the other thing, um, which I think is pretty exciting, and that is that you can also get the pastor's study, study notes. That would be me. But you can, do, there, you can get a PDF of that. A lot of people like that because that's easier, you know, it's easier, quicker to read. I like that when I go to a website. So I figured uh, we've had it up for a while, but I didn't know if everybody knew that. So I wanted to let you know about that this morning. All right, it's available after the message. Okay. However, if you're really, really good, there are, I can also, the night before, all right, I probably even should be saying this because I'm creating more work for myself, but I'll, I can email it to you the night before, okay? No problem. I, well, I, I, I do that already for a few people. So if you really want that, you can send an email to pastor.lbible.org. And if I'm in a good mood, I'll read your email and then I'll realize that you want to be added to that list, okay? But, but it's best to hear the message first, then go back and get the notes. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Anything else for today? I think we covered it. All right, let's begin. Please turn now to John chapter 14, verse 16. John chapter 14, verse 16. And we'll begin here. title of today's message is The Spirit of Truth. We're going to focus on those two words this morning, the spirit and truth, and how they're related, the spirit of truth. Again, please turn your Bibles to John chapter 14, come on, verse 16. Now we'll begin reading the passage now, and end. And I will ask the Father, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the upper room the night before he's going to the cross, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Parakletos is the Greek word, and we studied that in some detail last Sunday. I'm just going to give you a quick review of that. Again, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, Parakletos, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. That's where today's title comes from. That is the spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So this morning we're going we're gonna to focus on verse 17. Like last week we focused on verse 16. And again, that is the spirit of truth, the helper who will be with disciples forever. And by the way, each and every believer, including you if you're a believer in Christ, be with you forever. The spirit of truth. When he mentions the spirit here, he combines it with truth. And we're going to see why that's so important this morning. Whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him. The world is all about what it can see and hear and smell and taste. Very materialistic. So if they can't see him, then they don't think he's real. Jesus is going to say the same thing about, about the, the gospel, really, about his resurrection okay, in chapter 20. He's going to talk to, to, uh, to one of his disciples who 
had come in after and hadn't all, Jesus had appeared to all the disciples except one Thomas next week while well, he's there and the, and the other disciples apostles tell him Jesus is risen he's appeared right and he says I won't believe that unless what I put my hand in his side where the spear went in and I put my fingers on the nail prints what is he saying I won't believe it unless I see it okay and then of course Jesus comes back and does allows him to do that and then says Blessed are they who have not seen and yet believed, right? So the point is that the world needs to see things, all right? Because of that, they don't know him either. However, the believers, here the disciples, you do know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Abiding with you was how the Holy Spirit mentored the, the believers, all right, the leaders at that time. Um, and then will be in you is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That first part was temporary, okay? But the will be in you is permanent. And not only that, but it applies not just to the leadership, but to every believer in Christ. The Holy Spirit is now in you, indwelling your heart if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay, a little review. Last Sunday, we examined the meaning of that expression, another helper. And we saw, first of all, that another, it means that Jesus is referring to the fact that it's been him. He's been their helper while they're here on earth with him. Those three and a half years of his public ministry, he's been the one. He's been the one who guided them, who encouraged them, who challenged them, who taught them. But he's going away. You see, he's leaving them. He's going back to his father in heaven. And they're still going to need that, that help, that advice, that guidance, that comfort, a challenge. And so since he's leaving them and going back to his Father in heaven, he is going to ask the Father, and the Father will send what? Another helper, another of the same kind, to be with them and indeed in them. So that's the situation we have here. The fact that Jesus is promising that, he will, that the Father will send another Perikletos, because that's the Greek word, right? Perikletos. We studied this. It's the accusative of the noun, Perikletos, that's here. What did it mean? Well, the definition here is one who was called in to appear on behalf of somebody else. One who was called in to appear on someone else's behalf. Now, of course, that's a general statement. That's a general meaning of that word, that Greek word. In other words, that would apply to practical situations in the Greek culture at the time. But now now, uh, Jesus is bringing that over and he's now saying, I want to talk about my my helper, my replacement. I want to talk about you and the things you're going to need. I'm going to borrow this general word and now I'm going to give it specific meanings. Well, the specific meanings, of course, depend on the reason why. Why would you need a helper? Why would the apostles need somebody to come in alongside them and appear on their behalf? Why do you need that? Why do we need that? It all depends on the reason why. See, the Holy Spirit has many ministries. The Holy Spirit has ministries and they they are directed at the need of of the moment for the person that he is ministering to. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's, the, 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 maybe it's, whoops, let me go back. Maybe it's helping the pastor not jump ahead. 
All right, so the specific meaning depends on the reason why that person is called in. And here, of course, the paracletos is the Holy Spirit. The church believers have many needs, therefore the Holy Spirit has many ministries. He meets all kinds of different needs for the different believers and the body as a whole. And and just keeping in mind, though, that he is focused, and he does many things, but he's got one mission. And that is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's focused on that. He's laser focused, as it were, on one mission, glorify Jesus Christ through the church. See, the Holy Spirit today is working with, in, and through the church, but for one objective, to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Not himself, the Spirit. The Spirit will say in a passage we'll look at later this morning, Jesus will say in a passage we'll look at later this morning, that he only says what he hears. He doesn't speak on his own behalf. He hears something and he speaks it. He takes of what is Jesus and he then provides it. So his focus is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. His focus is not on himself. His focus is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. But within that mission, of course, since we're the ones he's going to work through, we need a lot of help. We need a lot of work done on us. We're going to be in situations where we're going to feel overwhelmed. We're going to, we're going to be called to do something. It's in, perhaps it's according to our spiritual gift, which, by the way, the Holy Spirit has given us, that manifestation of the Spirit, and we're going to need his help. We're going to need his guidance. We need to have him come alongside us and be there on our behalf. And what he's providing at any point in time is whatever is needed by the body as a whole, the church, or whatever is needed by individual members of the body of Christ so that they're able to accomplish the mission that the Lord has given them. So you see, the thing is, the Lord has given every one of us a mission. Okay, It's not the same mission as the apostles in the first century. It's probably not the same mission as the person sitting next to you this morning. You see, we're all given a manifestation of the Spirit. The body has many needs, right? So the body has a need for leadership. You have a need for leadership. The body has a need for teaching. You have a need for teaching. The body has a need for finances. So there's those who are gifted with giving and so forth. So those are all ministries of the Holy Spirit, what what 1 Corinthians 12 refers to as as manifestations of the Spirit. They're plural, there are many, but there's one purpose behind it, right? Uniting the body of Christ for its mission. All right. So, so this morning, let's begin by turning to the scriptures. You're already at one, and we'll start there, to see what it is that the Jesus Christ taught the disciples about the Holy Spirit in the upper room. What Jesus taught the disciples in the upper room, was the primary information that he wanted them to have. Okay? And, it, and that's why we're going to see he calls him the spirit of truth. We're going to see why he does that. So let's look again at our passage. I think you're there. John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and, I will, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you 
already the disciples and will be in you. Will be in you refers to the, to the moment when Jesus Christ ascends to the Father and the Father sends the Holy Spirit to indwell each and every one of us. And I, and I just want you to stop for just a little while and contemplate the reality of that. That as we sit here this morning, each and every one of us is indwelt by God the Holy Spirit. And then you have to understand the wonder of it. I mean, think about it. You know, where, as it were, these, these people who before we heard the gospel were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so, and the indication that we've been given the Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts means that, the, that we have resources that we're going to need. We're going to, the Holy Spirit, for example, is pouring the love of God into your hearts. That's just one of the many things. And that was, by the way, not the case for the, for the people in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit didn't do that. The Holy Spirit came upon people, only a few, because they had a special purpose and a special work that they had to do. So the Holy Spirit, for example, came upon the craftsmen who were constructing the temple. But when their work was done, the Holy Spirit was no longer upon them. Same thing with the judges in the book of Judges, because they were the leaders of the people. Same thing with the kings. David, you know, if you read read David, you see that the Holy Spirit came upon him. Okay, he was the greatest king of, of of the Jewish people in the Old Testament. But he also prayed in one of the Psalms that, that the Father won't take the Holy Spirit from him, which meant that he could be taken right from him. The prophets, okay, they were inspired by God the Holy Spirit to say what they said to the people of Israel. But we have him in our hearts. And I will ask the Father, verse 16, and he will give you another helper, another parakletos, that he may be with you forever. He will be with you forever. He's not going to leave. He's not going to spend a little time with you until you do something wrong and then he's going to leave you. That's just not what the Bible has to say, right? What does it say? That he may be with you forever. Forever. See, see, what God does is perfect. What God does doesn't depend on how we're acting at the time. Okay? If God says that he's given you something permanently, forever, that settles it. And no matter what you do or what you say or what somebody says to you or your doubts or you're being deceived or any of that, the Holy Spirit's still there in your heart. That's amazing. That shows you the principle of God's grace. In Romans, Paul puts it another way. He says the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They can't be revoked. Okay, And, And since we are now in this age, the church age, where Jesus Christ has completely satisfied God's justice and righteousness on behalf of everybody. Therefore, that work is complete as well. And and the fact of the matter is is that we don't do anything for that. All All we do is we believe, which just means that we hear the message and we realize that it's true. We acknowledge that it's true for us. That, yeah, I need a Savior, and here he is, Jesus Christ our Lord, and I've heard the message of truth, and I've believed it, and therefore, I'm saved forever. By the way, that's the grace of God. You see, we're in the age where no longer are we under the law as a rule of life. We certainly weren't under the law. The law could do nothing to save us. 
What the law does is it, it, it shines a spotlight on sin. That was the purpose of the law, ultimately. Okay? Now, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, Israel in the Old Testament were under the misunderstanding that the law was going to save them. If they just lived up to all the tenets of the law, then they would have life eternal. Well, that's just, first of all, impossible. And second, that's never what the Lord intended the law to be. It was basically to let everybody know that we're sinners. Like Paul would say, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the end point of the law, okay? Being justified as a gift. You see, everything about us as members of the body of Christ, everything about the unbeliever in their relationship to God, all comes down to a gift. A gift, not by works that any man should boast. So we're, we are in this age where God, historically now, has seen Jesus Christ on the cross publicly. That's an indication. that, By the way, Jesus on the cross, he was validating and, and uh, just verifying the fact that God is just and holy. So it started there. Jesus Christ vindicates the Father on the cross because every sin was dealt with. He didn't, like, leave some sins to float out there. God the Father didn't say, well, you know what? I'm going to overlook a few. Right? I'm going I'm to just put them aside for a while. No. Jesus Christ took all the sins of the world in his body. He bore them on the cross. And, and the wrath of God came and judged sin in Christ. All of it. Sin as a principle and every individual sin. It's already been taken care of. Now, there's nothing else that has to be done in order for the Father to act in complete grace, complete freedom out of his love, which as it were has been freed up by the fact that his righteousness and justice have been completely satisfied. So, so that's where we are. And part of that, that's why the, the Father can give the Holy Spirit to each and every one of us. You see, it all comes back to the cross and resurrection. But again, here in verse 17... Jesus calls the Holy Spirit something very significant. He calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth. Now remember, he is Jesus Christ is in the upper room with his closest disciples. He's going away. And the one thing they need that's primary, okay, it is not power. You might think that the Holy Spirit does do that, does provide power. But the one thing above everything else that they needed, and by the way, didn't have enough of, was truth. So, so here, when, when Jesus Christ is really introducing the Holy Spirit and the fact that he would come and indwell all believers, the primary thing that he emphasizes about the Holy Spirit is what? Truth. That's really significant. As a matter of fact... The, Jesus will call him the spirit of truth several other times during the Lord's teaching in the upper room in chapters 14, 15, and 16. The spirit of truth. It's so significant. You know, in the word of God, there's, there's something called the first mentioned principle. All that it means is that the first time something is mentioned in the Bible, you should look at that and understand that there's something highly significant and primary, first importance, right? In the first time that somebody or something appears. 
So for example, first time that Satan appears on the scene, right? What happens? He's a deceiver. He's crafty, right? Well, that marks him off. You should, if you know nothing else about him, you should know that about him, right? In the, in the same way, if you think about... This is why, by the way, there's miracles associated with firsts in the Bible. When the nation of Israel was first born, there were the miracles of the, of the plagues and the Red Sea being parted. Okay? It's first. It's very significant. It's God is operating in a new way, creating a new people. So... If we think that principle here, and we say, well, here, here, and this is the first time, by the way, if you, if you look at the, the Bible going, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts, and so forth. And by the way, I believe that the, that the order of the scriptures, okay, is obviously significant, but also inspired. I really believe that. I believe there's a reason why Matthew comes first among the Gospels and John comes last. Because, you see, Matthew is all about convincing the Jews that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. Okay? And when you, by the time you get to John, John's gospel is to explain exactly who Jesus is and then lead to the fact that the church is going to be established. Okay? So you have Israel and Matthew, the church and John. So it makes sense. It stands to reason that we go to the Gospel of John to see what are the, what are the first indicators, what's primary. And here, with respect to the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, of course, is going to be mentioned many times hereafter in the book of Acts, the book of Romans, and, and you can go through the New Testament. But here, we get the primary thing. And what is the first of first importance that we need to understand about the Holy Spirit? Yeah, this isn't complicated, gang. He's the Holy Spirit of truth. Start there. That's primary. We're going to see in just a minute why that is. There's a few things I want to point out. Because make no mistake, the Spirit has many names in the Bible and in the New Testament. He's called the Spirit of Christ. He's called the Spirit of Grace. He's called the Spirit of Life. And so forth. But here, Jesus emphasizes truth. Again, Jesus is about to go to heaven. He's leaving these people, these leaders, these apostles on earth. What's going to happen? What's going to happen when Jesus ascends into heaven? What's going to happen with these people? The Spirit's going to come down, absolutely. And then what? What are they going to do? They're going to preach the truth, right? The gospel. Well, they need to know what to preach. And they, they really were going to say, I mean, we've already seen in the Gospel of John that they were misinterpreting and in, unable to understand some of the basic things about Jesus Christ. So how are these people going to go out and preach the good news, tell everybody about Jesus Christ, tell them about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, tell them about the meaning of all of that, unless they're taught? They need that first. Okay, when you, the first thing you needed, hey, when you were an unbeliever, the thing that you needed in order to receive eternal life was first and foremost what? Truth. Well, the point here is that these men, and they were all men, ladies, but they, these, were, these people were going to preach the gospel. Therefore, they needed to know things about the gospel. They were going to establish churches. Therefore, they, by the way, the church is, is, is supposed to be and is, in God's eyes, the pillar of truth. Of what? 
of truth. That was primary. And so everything that they're going to do, you know, is based on truth. Now, there are a lot of things, that, but the primary focus, you know, the, in, in the book of Acts chapter 6, the, the apostles are getting together and they're saying, you know, we need some help here, okay, because there's a lot of needs out there, right? There were widows that were being ignored. And they said, but that's not our mission. So we need others to have that mission, to give that mission. And that's how the deacons were first established. And the de- again, first mention principle, what? Deacons, what's first mentioned about them? Service. You see it? Truth for the apostles and the communicators. Service for the deacons. So, it's all based on truth. Now, let's talk about ourselves. Let's talk about, well, actually, let me just make this one point before, because I want to make sure you understand this. The entire mission of the apostles, and by the way, this includes perhaps especially the apostle Paul, although he's not on the scene yet here, okay, is to be based on the truth. To be based on the truth. Paul would emphasize that again and again and again. We'll see some of that this morning. But let's talk about us now. Why not? Let's talk about, again, how it is that we became saved. Okay. Now, you might say, well, we became saved because we believed. That, that's fair enough. Okay. But believe what? Right? Believed in the tooth fairy? Believed in Christmas? Believed that Jesus was a nice guy who lived 2,000 years ago? <laughs> uh, yeah, the truth. i got to tell you... Um, I don't know why I did this, but I looked at a special on the Masons, right? The Freemasons. Well, it's interesting. They say, oh, we're not a religion. Yeah, but you're telling people everything they got to do in order to be in communion with God. I don't know about you. That sounds like a religion to me. And oh, they talk about Jesus, but it's blasphemous. You know, I, I watched them when they were talking about Jesus. It was a total distortion of who he is. So people can do that. They can take bad information, even about Jesus, and mislead people. Be careful about that. They can take bad information about the Holy Spirit and mislead people. Okay? That's certainly possible. In fact, it's prevalent. I mean, not all, yeah, the Muslims have a Jesus, and he's not the right one. He's another Jesus. You know, we can pick on them. We can pick on the Jehovah's Witnesses. We can pick on the Mormons. But how about the church? The, quote, church. All right, the, the, the people who say they're part of the church. Well, what are they saying about Jesus? Are they even talking about him? Are they talking about the fact that his death had to do with the sins of the world? Do you hear the word sins at all in churches and made churches today? You don't. Do you hear about do you hear about redemption? Not really, right? Well, why is that? Because there's something going on whereby they're they're not preaching the truth. Okay. But everything about this is the truth. Now, why do I say that our salvation is based on truth? All right, please turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. This is a really important passage for those of you that want to accurately defend the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people can understand why it is that they've been saved and what it is that the unbeliever is called, that the unbeliever what, how the gift is given to the unbelievers so they can become believers. All right, look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In him, 
the, the great two-word expression, by the way, of Ephesians chapter 1, right? the fact that we're in Christ forever, by the way. That's a gift, too. You can't, you, you can't be in Christ for a while, and then, and then you do something wrong or whatever, and then you're out of him, right? Can't be. We're in him forever. Baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ permanently. In him. Two little words. You also, after what? Listening to what? The message of truth. Yeah, there you go. That's first. Can you see that that's the first thing before we talk about? And he will talk about believing and being saved. But again, the gospel of our salvation is the message of truth. That's what it is. Okay? It's not a feeling. Okay? It's not works. It's, it's not repenting of our sins. Okay? It's none of those things. It's the message of truth. That simply believe. Notice again, Ephesians 1. I'm going to read the rest of it. Verses 13 and 14. In Christ, you also, after listening, simply listening to the message of truth, not joining a church, not being baptized, okay, not giving a lot of money, okay, simply listening to the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation, which, by the way, that should put your antenna up and say, I wonder what the truth is. What is that? We don't have time for that this morning, but I, I try as often as possible to preach the gospel in its simplicity, right? I mean, I, I almost want to have a volunteer this morning to raise your hand and come on up and show, see how good a job I've done. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're a sinner. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. God Ted sent his son, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, became a man, as well as remaining God, and he went to the cross 2,000 years ago, historic fact, and he died there, and he died for your sins. And now this gets individual and personal. Then he was buried. This is the gospel. This is the message of truth. And then he was raised from the dead by God the Father on the third day. And there were witnesses to all of that. Okay? Therefore, whoever simply believes, now that message of truth, which I've just kind of given you, right? That's the gospel. Well, whoever believes will have eternal life. Well, here, notice what it says in verse 13. In him, in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. All right, so now there are people today who are teaching, by the way, that you have to repent of your sins in order to be saved. Is that what this says? No. They say that you have to give your life to Jesus in order to be saved. Is that what this says? No, not at all. What does it say? Right, listen to a message and believe it. And believe it. That's, that's it. Listen to a message and believe it. Okay. By the way, it's not even trust. Okay. A lot of people say believing is trusting in Jesus to forgive your sins. Well, that's, that's not true. <laughs> Why? Because he's already died for all your sins. And it does, the issue isn't trusting. The issue is what? Believing. believing a message. This is so important. This is where, gosh, a large majority of Christians go wrong. Hearing a message and believing it. That's it. That's the beauty of the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel. By grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, I've got to tell you, if I had to repent for my sins before I believed, man, that would be a lot of work back then, right? 
if I think about my life until the point where I heard the gospel, and I had to repent of all my... I've got to tell you something. The thing that, that attracted me to the gospel of Jesus Christ was that I didn't have to deal with all my sins. That they were taken care of. The burden is lifted. I don't have to go repent of them and think about them and do anything. I haven't been raised a Catholic. There were a lot of things that I thought I had to do. But no. Just hear a message and believe it. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's the truth. All right? So let's, let's, organ, let's, let's organize around that. Let's orient to that simplicity of the gospel. Having believed, then what? Having also believed, what? That message of truth. You were sealed in him. Now, who's him here? Christ. You were sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit promises the truths that he said. Now, let me ask you something. Can you notice here what you're sealed with? Who you're sealed with? The Holy Spirit. I get this picture. All right, it's so important. Okay, You were sealed in Christ. All right, so something had to happen for you to be in Christ. Holy Spirit did that, by the way. And then you were sealed. So you, this is kind of a coarse way of thinking of it, but let's just say Jesus is a, is a house, okay? And you're in him now. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, boom. And then now to keep you there, as it were, or, to, or to, actually it's really just an indication that you will be there, that door is sealed up. And it's sealed up with a person. The Holy Spirit now, as it were, stands guard to that you understand that you will never be out of Christ again. All of that because what? Verse 13. You listened to the message of truth and you believed it. That's it. You were sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise. And then notice this as well. Verse 14. He was given a gift as a pledge of our inheritance. A, a, a pledge means, I, this is going to happen. I pledge, you know. I pledge, I promise, I tell you this will happen, and I stand behind it. Well, who's standing behind our inheritance in heaven? Every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Who is given to us as sort of the, the surety of that? The Holy Spirit. So you see how important it is to know that the Holy Spirit indwells us? All the things that we have. Think of all the insecurity of the world on all kinds of things. What certainty do they have? What, your friends who are not believers, what certainty do they have about their future? No, that's why they're panicking all the time. That's why they're doing all the things that they do. They have no security. They have no surety. They have no pledge of an inheritance. And, of course, this isn't talking about money, by the way. The world can't even, can't even be confident about that, can it? But so many things today I just could pop in a moment and phew, I don't mean to scare anybody, but it's just the truth. It always has been. You know, think about somebody in the 1920s who thought he was on top of the world and he was um, in Wall Street and he's making all this money. And all of a sudden, in a couple of days, phew, gone. And that's the world. No security there. And the people that can only, what they see, what they hear, if they're only focused on that, they got no security at all. Whether they know it or not, it's absolutely true. We have no security. A lot of people say, well, you know, I've got a great health plan, and no matter what happens, I'm going to be covered, and I'm, I'm running five miles a day, and boy, oh boy, truck comes by and knocks them off in the middle of the road. It's over. No security. 
You don't have any security that you're going to live tomorrow. Therefore, okay, what does God say? He says there's a much more important inheritance. There's a security that you do have. By the way, there's a security that God says in the book of Romans chapter 8 that for those for whom he foreknew, he also called. And those who called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And it's all done. He says that he is working all things together for good. That's security. That security comes one way. And how do, we, how do we realize, come to know, understand that we do have all this security? This, it all comes back to truth. Yes, of course, Christ. But we have to know it. My point is that we have to know these things in order to be understanding our security. It all comes back to the truth. And yes, it all comes back to Christ, the truth about him. All right. We're going to see more of that. Again, 14, the Holy Spirit is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view toward, what? The redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. That just means that we've already been redeemed in terms of our sins, in terms of our our soul. But one day, our bodies will also be redeemed. Our spiritual life also is based on the truth. So we have our salvation. And then we now, we're, we're saved, and now we have a spiritual life. Hopefully we're growing, right? Well, how does that work? Now, it is the Holy Spirit, but what? What is it that the Holy Spirit is using, all right? How does God bring about our spiritual growth? Please look at Ephesians, chapter, stay in Ephesians, but go to chapter 4, verse 14. The Spirit of Truth. Pastor Farley, man, all the time, he's always saying the importance of coming to hear the word of God. Heck, he's probably self-interested in that. That's, that's his calling. Of course he wants us to do that. That's no surprise. I mean, painters want people to paint, right? Historians want people to read history books, you know? Well, is that the reason you think I'm emphasizing that? Really? Do you think I'm emphasizing that so I can show off my knowledge? How many people? I'm going to put you on the spot, right? <laughs> Um, no, <laughs> no, it's not. It's this. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children. So you, can be a, you can be a believer and be a child in terms of God and a rela- understanding your relationship and understanding your calling. Why? Because they, some are children because they're tossed here and there by waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine. Not real doctrine, by the way, but different things. Carried about, well, last week I was in the New Age, and then you know, five months before that I was a Catholic. And, you know, for a while I was an atheist. And I'm hearing about this new thing called, called Christ Scientist. I think I'm going to be interested in that. Scientology, maybe, after that. Waves carried out by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men. That's what's all behind it. L. Ron Hubbard, the trickery of men. All right? And so forth. Uh, I could go on and on about that one, but I'm not going to do that. Okay. Again, people behind pulpits, <laughs> trickery of men, by craftiness. Now, who does this sound like? Who first mentioned principle I mentioned this morning about somebody who's crafty? Yeah, craftiness in deceitful scheming. Again, by people who say they're teaching doctrine, by the way. Craftiness in deceitful scheming. But, what? Speaking... The truth in love. 
Well, of course, what that means is there has to be a body of truth, okay, that, that we all, as it were, sign on to, all right? That's the Bible you have in front of you today, all right? That ch- the, look, the church sinks or swims on the basis of whether or not we have the body of truth from God. I hope you understand that. And we believe we do. That's why, you know, if you don't think that, if you don't think that this Bible is inspired by God, all right, and, it, and, it, and it's good for every circumstance in life, and it tells us how to be saved, and it tells us about, if you don't think that, if you don't believe that, honestly, I mean, ultimately, I don't know why you're here. I say ultimately because if you're new or an unbeliever, I get it. You're going to need a lot of time in God's Word to understand the confidence that you can have. This is literally God-breathed, okay? But that's what we're doing, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up. How do we, how do we grow spiritually? By speaking and hearing the truth in love. We have to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Jesus also talked about this. Go, go to the Gospel of John now in chapter 8, verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. Our salvation is based on the truth, the message of truth, the gospel. Our spiritual life is based on the truth, the truth of the word of God. Jesus puts it this way in John eight thirty one. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, what does that mean to continue in his word, by the way? It means to continue hearing it, continue studying it. Continue believing it. Continue to apply it to your life. Continue such that you could say and agree with Paul that I might, may come to know him in the power of his resurrection. How? By knowing the truth and hearing and continuing in the word of God. That's why it's so important to do what we're doing this morning. Continue in his word. Don't stop. You know, don't stop short of the goal, of the goal line. Keep going. Continue in my word. Then you are truly disciples of mine. And then you will know what? The truth. And the, not a truth. Not a partial truth. But the truth. Jesus, of course, would say later on, I am the truth. Right? Right. I am the truth. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Okay, so we have salvation based on the truth. Our spiritual life based on the truth. But not only that, worship. Worship. You know, if you were to say to somebody today, man, we had a great worship service this morning. Woo! Spirit was really jumping, right? Or whatever they say. I don't know what they say. What does it mean? Well, to a lot of people today, worship means kind of like saying the same things and oh, and getting together and all of that stuff, maybe speaking in tongues or, you know, bouncing around, right? But, but it, what, it, what it really is, is let's just, let's just do things and sing things. And not, the, not, the, not the Bible stuff, but the other stuff. My personal life and all these things. Let's sing about all that. You know, if you were, one of the things I've mentioned in the past and, is that you should listen to the words that are in popular Christian music today. I challenge you to do that. Oh, it's a great, oh, he's so popular. Oh, listen to how beautiful those, that music is. and Oh, and so forth and so forth. Okay, time out, though. 
Is our worship based on how beautiful the music is? No. What's it based on? The truth. So you ought to listen to those words. And and I'll give you one clue, and I've mentioned this before, as to whether you know whether a song is real worship or not. And here's the clue. Does it magnify the person of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you learn something about Him from the Bible now? Biblical truth that we're singing about. That's the test. One of the, unfortunately, this is all over Christian music today. I mean, you can't turn on Christian music for five minutes. And and if you notice, you'll notice one thing. You'll notice the word I. I. I was this. I was that. I was in a dark place. I was lost. I, 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 I. That's fine. I get it. But that's not worship. That, that, that could be a nice, you can have a nice song. Maybe you can go to a coffee house and sing about it. But worship is what? Look at, look at, look at John, I didn't have you go there. Look at John 4.24. Because real worship is centered on the truth. Biblical truth. People say, oh, I know Jesus. I met him in a powerful way. He spoke to me in a dream. But they don't know the first thing about what the Gospel of John says about who Jesus is. Or or, or Book of Colossians says about, if you don't know those things, you don't really know Jesus. How about it? How about that? How many people think that today in Christianity? If you don't know what the Book of Colossians says, what the Book of Hebrews says, what the Book of Romans says, what the Gospel of John says about who Jesus is, you don't really know him. (laughs) And by the way, that's okay. Again, Paul, <laughs> Paul who had the incredible mystery teachings that Jesus gave him, still 20 years after he was saved, saying, I still need to come to know him. How? Truth. Look at John chapter 4, verse 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Must worship in spirit and truth. Okay. Okay, so, so finally, and I, I just got a slide of this. We're not going to turn to this passage. But the church itself is called the pillar and support of the truth. The truth. The Word of God. The Bible. Okay. Not the pillar and support of different groups like, you know, yeah, we have a, we have a, a men's ministry here. And, you know, we are the pillar and support of that. We are the pillar and support of the best Christian music. We're the pillar and support of a Starbucks in our lobby. We support that. That's the pillar of us, right? Well, well, okay, but how about what's being preached this morning? Well, you know, the, the pastor came out on an elephant this morning and told us all about the strength and power and all of that. Did he turn to scripture on that? Well, I, gee, I don't really know. I don't remember. We are the pillar and support of one thing, the truth. Speaking the truth in love. Okay. Oops. So first and foremost, then, the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, will be their source, our source of truth. All right? I'm talking back to the disciples now. He will be their one source of all the truth. All that they need to carry out their mission. 
All of it. The source, the source of truth. Now you have to say to yourself this morning, what's my source of truth? It's a good question. Now, I, I, I challenge you this morning and kind of put it this way. If, you've, if you think you have the source of truth, right, and you don't really go to it, but instead you go elsewhere, you know, like a certain cable news channel or a certain newspaper or a certain blog, and that's where you go five hours a day, right, to get information. Well, how far away are you from the source of truth? Why would you do that? Now, hey, I'm not, believe me, I'm not saying you can't do that at all, but my challenge is if that's where you, ultimately your heart is, that's what I want to know. I want to know the latest conspiracy theory. I want to know who's embarrassed who. I want to know what's going on with the Kardashians, for goodness sake. Right? There's a limit to when that starts to become a total deception, because why? You've lost touch with the source of truth. The Holy Spirit is the source of truth. The Word of God is the truth, of course, but the Holy Spirit speaks the truth. The Holy Spirit explains the truth. It's so important. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. I want you to notice this very, very carefully. I always say that. It's good to notice things very carefully no matter what scripture you're in. Right? Not to gloss over it and say, well, I did my five minutes of quiet time. Right? Nothing, nothing wrong with that. But it's not enough. That's the point this morning. Not enough. Right? Do you treat the word of God as more necessary than your daily food? That's the question. Right? 1 John 5, 6. It is the Spirit who testifies. Because the Spirit is the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus Christ. Who's the truth? The Holy Spirit. Get that right and man... You'll be, you'll be where you need to be. Okay, so Jesus had served the disciples in this manner, but now he's about to go to heaven, and now the Holy Spirit comes in, and he'll do that. Please turn to John chapter 14, verse 25, as we close this morning. John chapter 14, verse 25. Why do they need another helper? Why do they need... Another, parakletos. Why? Well, notice what Jesus says here. John chapter 14, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, by being with you here on earth. So there's a lot of stuff he did teach. He did speak. A lot of stuff he's teaching that evening. Okay? But, verse 26, notice. The helper, parakletos, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Wow. What is that saying? It's saying Jesus himself taught them some things, but they weren't able to bear other things. But when Jesus goes to be with the Father, comes our advocate at the right hand of the Father, Holy Spirit comes down and indwells our hearts. Now we're able to learn what? All things. That's amazing. Don't you think so? I mean, I mean, Moses could have learned some things. Um, David learned some things. 
um, Malachi, John the Baptist, who was called the greatest man, but he in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. You might say, how can that possibly be? Because of this. Because we get to learn all things. All right. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. When um, Jesus lived with the disciples for those three and a half years when he was on earth, he taught them many things, didn't he? I mean, we've, just, we've been through the Gospel of John to this point. He taught them so much. But, you know, there was a problem. We've seen this many times. And he taught them a lot. So he did his job. But he also made something clear. And that were there were things they were not ready to receive. There were things that they were not ready to see. He'll say in John 16, I have many more, I have many more things to say to you, Jesus said. Boy, right? He knew all the truth. I would love to. However, he said, you can't bear them yet. <laughs> Think about that. You can't, you can't handle the truth, to quote a movie line. This additional things. There were many things that Jesus said that they did not understand. Things that he did say they didn't understand. Even in this chapter. Okay, look at John chapter 14, verse 7. John chapter 14, verse 7. And this is where we'll have to close this morning. John 14, 7. Not only were there many things throughout his ministry for those three and a half years, all the way back to the beginning that the disciples didn't understand and misinterpreted what he was talking about, right? That very night that we have in question here now, there were things Jesus said that they didn't understand. Of course they needed another helper to teach them all of this. Look at John 14, 7. If you had known me. Remember I was just saying it. How, you can, don't say you know him if you haven't gone to the truth, right? If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. What are you saying? He's saying, let me tell you something. Up till now, you're, you, know, you haven't paid a lot of attention to what I'm saying about myself. But let me tell you, whether you realize it or not, I this evening, I'm telling you, that the Father's in me and I am in the Father. I'm telling you that I'm God, in other words. You've seen him, the Father. Now, not literally, not like Moses, but in Jesus. The Father came and indwelt, dwelt among us. Well, not the Father, Jesus came so that he would witness to the Father. They could look into his eyes and understand the character of God. Verse 8. So that's, that's great. But notice verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. <laughs> Lord, show us the Father. I mean, can you imagine? Jesus is telling them, I am in the Father. The Father's in me. If you know me, you know the Father also. Philip's like, yeah, but show us the Father. <laughs> and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you? And yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Whew. How can you say, show us the Father? In other words, there were things that Jesus was saying right in this upper room that they didn't know, that they didn't understand. Clearly, they needed a lot more truth. 
They needed to learn a lot more truth. They needed to understand a lot more truth. They needed, because Jesus was departing, they needed another teacher. They needed another guide. And that's why when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach the disciples all things. He will be with them and in them for the remainder of their lives. Right? They will have capacity to understand things that they couldn't understand when they were walking with Jesus because they didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. Okay? All the mystery, te- mystery doctrine that Paul would receive. Then they would, they would, and again, that's exciting for us to realize that we're in the time when the all things have been revealed and we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And we therefore have the capacity to know all the things that Jesus was talking about that night that they weren't ready for yet. We're ready if we would just take advantage of what we have. All right, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for hopefully opening our eyes, giving us hopefully a better appreciation of the wonder of the canon of Scripture, the wonder of your Son, the wonder of learning about Him and knowing about Him, the wonder of the mentorship of the Holy Spirit who is guiding and directing us in His one mission, which is to glorify your Son, Jesus Christ, through us, through the church. So, Father, we just again want to thank you for all of that. And we ask as we leave this morning, Father, that we would take advantage of what's given to us in terms of the truth. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to try to speak really loud now, if you know what I mean. Um, And uh, let you know that we do have Bible study this Thursday, July 20th. We do prayer at the end of the service. Right now I'm praying for a couple of people out there that are, I don't know why, but they're really upset right now. And I just hope that they can calm down and relax, right? Amen. So we have Bible study Thursday, 630. You can come here. Hope a lot of you do. I think they're closed at that time. And you can also go on Skype and get us there as well. All right. All right, with that, you're dismissed, and enjoy the afternoon, all right? If you have to put on your ear miffs, whatever those things are, your sound uh, things, and listen to my message right away, go right ahead. All right, you're dismissed. Have a good one.